0: Chapter 19, as we journey through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Luke 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and he passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was the chief of the tax collectors, and he was rich. And so he sought to see Jesus and who he was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. And so he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he saw him. And he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And so he made haste, and he came down, and he received him joyfully. But when he had saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone up to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. And then Zacchaeus stood, and he said to the Lord, Lord, look, I have given half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, Today salvation is come unto this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Let's pray. Lord, we just pray for your word today. Thank you for those serving in children's ministry, those doing the cooking in the kitchen and doing all the preparations this morning. We pray, Lord, that we would have a heart like like Zacchaeus, that, Lord, we would, as we will see later, work for the kingdom of God, to occupy, do business until you come. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the refreshment of your word and the body of Christ that comes together. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts. We ask this now in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Now last week I want you to turn to this last week in the last chapter chapter 18 Jesus was talking about the rich man and and the but this is what Jesus said in verse 27 of chapter 18 he said the things which are impossible with men are possible with God that is Zacchaeus today Don't you love how the Bible and how Jesus teaches and everything seems to flow perfectly? Because he wrote it, he knew it, and he is the great hunter, as we will see today, hunting down Zacchaeus. Think about this. Zacchaeus didn't have a name tag on. How did he know it was Zacchaeus? Oh, because he's the great hunter. Let's take a look at this now. Zacchaeus and Jesus. Verse 1, now Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. The, The word Zacchaeus means righteous one or pure one. Now, that's kind of funny, isn't it? Because he's a tax collector. And we've gone through this before, that the tax collectors who were working with the Romans were hated. Not only that, it says he was the chief of tax collectors, which means he's the most hated. He is the secretary of the IRS. He is the most hated of all persons of all time. He is the chief of that. But I want you to see this scene. And you got to look at it through the lens of Zacchaeus. And for the last three years, remember Jesus' ministry for the most part, about three, three and a half years. For three years, Jesus has been going through Jericho. And this man, Zacchaeus, has been hearing about this Galilean doing these wonderful miracles, walking on water, breaking bread, feeding thousands and lepers, and he continues to hear that. He also hears of his buddy that he knows, who is also a tax collector who got saved. Who is that? Matthew, the Levite. Which, You know, if you're another tax collector, you're like, if Matthew can get in, maybe I can. But I want you to think of this. So, for three years, he is coming through Jericho at least three times a year because a Jew needed to come to Jerusalem for the feast at least three times a year. Jesus, being a good Jewish boy, would have done that. And so, all these times, he's come through it. But I want you to hear this because where is Jesus going now? To Jerusalem. And why is he going there now? To be on the cross. I want you to hear this today. This is Zacchaeus's last chance to have, a, a, uh, have contact with Jesus. He has been putting it off for years. Are you here today and you've been putting it off for years? We won't let you leave. The great hunter is coming after you today. You've been coming to Thanksgiving potlucks. You've been coming to Easter's, Christmases. For decades, today is the day. The world in which we live in, this world is ripe for judgment. How many times have you seen Jesus pass by the way? Today is the day to be Zacchaeus. To run after and to see Jesus and to behold him and bring him into your life. What a wonderful account today we have. And then... When we're done with Zacchaeus, we're going to tell you to get into the game and get into the kingdom because Jesus says every believer has been given something and he requires you and I to work for the kingdom of God. Well, let's get to the sweet little man, shall we? Now behold, there was a man named <laughs> Pure. Can you believe that? Isn't that the funniest of, of ironies? His mom called him, oh, look at that little pure guy. He grows up to be the most notorious sinner of all time. His name was Zacchaeus, and he was the chief of tax collectors. Now, listen, the Bible didn't need to tell us he was rich. We knew that. Because as the Romans gave these contracts out, they said, listen, you gather that amount of taxes, and anything you get extra, as we will see, was yours. So of course he was going to be rich. Not only that, that he was the chief tax collector. So there was some kickback getting back to him. You know what I'm talking about, Guido. (laughs) Right? There's a little kickback because he's the chief of that. Maybe Matthew had a kickback. I don't know. And so he sought to see Jesus. Notice how it says it. And he sought to see who Jesus was. For three years, he had been hearing about this Jesus, about this carpenter, how these miracles were done, what he was doing, even Matthew that had got saved. I mean, I always want to put myself in the text. So can you imagine for three years, Matthew walking through the town? Hey, Zacchaeus, how you doing? What are you doing? Oh, I'm with Jesus now. Who's Jesus? Well, He's, he's the Messiah. <laughs> the Messiah, is it coming? The Romans are here. And every year, hey, Matthew, how you doing? <laughs> You're still with Jesus? You still got that religion? Can't we all hear those statements out of Zacchaeus? And maybe it's the second or third year, and he, something, he can see Matthew, he can see something that's different. I need to see who this Jesus is. And maybe like you, you come to Easter, to Christmas, to Thanksgiving potluck. Someone said, listen, you got to try these deep fried turkeys. And this ham, it's it's heavenly. Okay, y'all come. And you, you see Jesus. And you see Jesus. But isn't it time for you, like Zacchaeus, to surrender? How many times have you come? You've sat, and your heart continues to be hard. And yet God has given you the opportunity right now to accept him. Notice it says in verse 3 that he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd. Anybody think the crowd is going to help out a tax collector? No. (laughs) <laughs> you see a tax collector with a flat tire, you laugh and you drive by. <laughs> oh, I'm the only one. <laughs> no, you're supposed to stop and help him. That's New Testament biblical, isn't it? To do good to those who spitefully treat you. So here he is, he can't see Jesus because of the crowd. Notice it tells us why, for he was of short stature. Now in the Bible, when it talks about that he is in short stature, you know what that means? He was small. He was all in the Greek. He was small. He couldn't see over the crowds. Now I think that's interesting too, because now the crowds every time Jesus is coming by, They want to see him too. There's crowds, and then there are followers. People just want to see what's going on, but they don't ever want to do anything about it. Zacchaeus is different. Let's see. And so he ran ahead. Verse 4, nobody runs in this society, especially rich guys. You don't run. You pay somebody to run. Amen? You... (laughs) Go run ahead for me. Okay, master. You don't run. And in a position like his, you don't run. But he ran. You see, before Jesus even gets to his house, his heart is already softening. He is excited to see this one named Jesus. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree to see him for he was going to pass that way. So, again, on his third and final trip to Jericho, Zacchaeus said, this is the time. Zacchaeus doesn't know that he's going to the cross. Everybody know that? Just, <laughs> but he knew, hey, this is my time. But you and I know that this is his last time. And God meets him at that last time. Now, uh, you know, we look at this story, this, and I, sorry, I say story, this historical accurate event in the Bible. Curse you, Disney, for saying stories now that ruined it for everybody. Here's this historical event, and, and we look at Zacchaeus, we see him in children's ministry, he's on the flannel board, he climbs up the tree, woo, What a this guy is so hated. No one understands that this guy is a loner. The the only one that's around him is other people like him, as we will see, other notorious sinners. But he goes outside of the norm. He runs, and you don't climb up a tree. Who climbs up trees? Anybody? You'll get a turkey wing. Not you. Kids climb trees. Grown men who are rich don't. You see, the one of the reasons why I love Zacchaeus is is he did everything that he could to make sure he saw Jesus. And yet we won't come to church when it rains on a Wednesday night. We won't come to church because of this or that. We make all kinds of excuses not to get into the game. And Zacchaeus puts us to shame. He climbed a tree. He ran. He was a rich guy. He could buy the tree, cut the tree down, make me a platform. He doesn't. He does everything he can to have a connection with Jesus. I say that to shame everybody today, even myself, when I don't feel like doing something. Maybe I should think about Zacchaeus. Because he was a wee little man. Well, it just gets exciting from here. Now, when Jesus came to the place, what place? Crowds are lining the streets, both sides. <laughs> Who doesn't want to see this video? Anyway, Jesus is walking the 12 guys behind him, right? And, uh, and then Jesus just stops. And the guy's like, Why are we stopping? I don't know. He stops all the time. Who knows what he's doing? And then he looks up. And then they all look up. And then the crowds look up. This is where we're we're at. (laughs) I'm sorry. I, I look at this with just glee and joy because I know what Zacchaeus is about to get. A real connection with Jesus yet he looked like a fool up in that tree, didn't he? As soon as everybody looked up, how many people think that the crowd burst out laughing? What are you doing up there? Look at that wee, and then the jokes start flying. How many wee little mans does it take to climb a tree? <laughs> so Jesus came to the place. He stops. He looks up. And he saw him. And the word saw, that's why I said we started with the great hunter. Now, I encourage you to listen to this message by Gail Irwin. You can go to his site, servant.org, click on the great hunter. He teaches this in a way that will just leave your sides aching. Because when it says he saw him, it's a word for a hunter to bring into sight his prey. Jesus knew what he was doing that morning. He was going hunting. But it wasn't for an animal. It it was for a, a man that would have eternal life. So he sees him. He locks on to him. And then he says Zacchaeus. Now, if you're in the tree and you're Zacchaeus, you're like, how does he know my name? This is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He formed Zacchaeus in his mother's womb. He knows exactly who he is. He knows who you are today. He's coming. Now, you could be Zacchaeus, and the great hunter can come after you. Or, as we will see by the end of the message, Lord willing, it will be judgment. But how about you? But I'd rather be tagged by the great hunter. So, (laughs) So he looks up, and he says, Zacchaeus, make haste. That means come down. For today I must stay. To him... He gets himself dressed to go into town to now the new part of Jericho because Zacchaeus, who was rich, would not be living in old Jericho. He would be living in new Jericho, the new Roman side of Jericho. And so now he just goes out to see Jesus, not expecting that the Savior would be coming to his house. That'll teach you to vacuum before you go out. (laughs) Who, Who knows who's coming? And when it says, I must stay at your house, he... He is staying the night. This doesn't happen very often. Jesus usually has a dinner party, right? But he doesn't stay over. He is staying over because in the morning, they will go up to Jerusalem. So he says, I must stay at your house. And so verse 16, no, that'd be a long way away. Verse 6, and so he made haste and he came down and he received him, what? Joyfully. What a wonderful scene. I don't even know what that looks like, but maybe it's filled with hugs. Doesn't that just soften your heart today? God wants to have a relationship with you. He's not this God up in heaven waiting for you to blow it so he can hit you with a hammer or bring some judgment or bring some COVID on you. Like, watch out. God will bring the COVID on you. That's not what our God is about. This is our God who wants to have a relationship with you. And Zacchaeus joyfully participates with that. But when they, who's the they? Everybody else in town aside from his 12. And maybe his 12, but probably not. Just the town. They all complain, don't you love it? Someone's trying to get saved and there's somebody complaining because they're too much of a sinner to get saved. He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. I'm so glad that Jesus wants to hang out with us because if you don't think you're a sinner, you ain't getting no turkey later. Turkey is for sinners. Saved. Amen. Amen. But yet people start to think that, hey, I've got a little religion. I'm doing pretty good. I'm not like that. And they miss who they are. They miss that they're a notorious Zacchaeus. He is going to be a guest (laughs) with a man who is a sinner. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I'm hearing Gail Irwin say that in my head and it's making me laugh. Sorry. Servant.org, listen to it. It's called The Great Hunter by Gail Irwin. You'll love it. Then Zacchaeus stood and he said, Lord, look, Lord, I have given half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken in it that if, I can't stand sometimes the English. It, it means sense, not if, because a tax collector is going to defraud people. So it's since I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Now, from last week, what did Jesus call on the rich young ruler to do? The rich young ruler comes to him and says, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, okay, well, have you kept these commandments? Oh, I've done those from my youth. Okay, well, there's one thing you're lacking. Go sell everything you have and follow me and then the rich young ruler went away sad because he had many things. Do you see the difference between the rich young ruler there and Zacchaeus? Why didn't Jesus say, give away everything that you have? Because Jesus knew he was already going to do it anyway. Zacchaeus had a giving heart before he even accepted Christ because his heart was softening to the things of the Lord. This is why Jesus says salvation has come to this house because he knows it's true. He knows the soil is good and it's going to produce a hundredfold. He knows that already. That's why he says today salvation has come to this house because he is the son of Abraham. Now, verse 10, if you want to make a note of it, is, ba- is really the verse for all of Luke. If you had to choose a verse for Luke and what he was trying to accomplish, it would be this next verse. Verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Are you lost today? Maybe you are like Zacchaeus. You've got wealth. You've got things. You've got prestige. And yet it's not enough. And he was seeking after something more. But different from the rich young ruler of last week, when posed with the fix, which was Jesus, Zacchaeus accepts it with joy. And the rich young ruler rejects it with sorrow. Because the rich young ruler thinks that this world is it. And Zacchaeus knows that the world to come is what's it. And if you don't know that today, then you're like the rich young ruler who thinks all that I have is invested on this third rock from the sun. But it's not. It's what's to come. This is but a vapor. I, anybody ever think about eternity? Every once in a while, it's like, you let your mind start going and then smoke starts come out your ears because the processor is burning. And you're thinking, to yourself, eternity. And we sing that song, right? After 10,000 years, we'll still be praising his name. This life, this 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, I mean, I don't know. People are voting who are 120. It's a miracle. We're doing pretty good around this country, aren't we? Beating those Chinese. And whatever this world is in your age is nothing to what's about to come. And yet the devil wants you to be so consumed with this world. Look, this world has some wonderful things. Marriage is wonderful. Children, most of the time. A job or whatever you have, fellowship with one another, all of these things, they can be wonderful to a point. But when you hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and you get a hug from the creator, nothing on this world will matter ever again. That's good news, isn't it? Well, that leads us into the next section because Jesus is a wonderful teacher and his things keep building upon each other in his teaching, it's kind of like he knew what he was doing. Now, as they heard these things, what things? That guy got saved, Zacchaeus. He spoke another parable unto them because he was getting near to Jerusalem. And because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Now, verse 11 sets the context of this next parable, the parables of the minas, or your, your version might say the parable of the pounds. Uh, old King James said the parable of the pounds. But it's the minas. It's a form of monetary money, we would say. But it tells us here that they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Who's the they? The 12. Remember, Jesus has been telling these guys over and over, boys, we're going to Jerusalem. They're going to beat me. (laughs) They're going to abuse me. They are going to revile me. And then they're going to hang me on a tree. Okay, Lord, when are we getting falafel next? Who's the greatest? They didn't get it. At all, which we learned last week. Remember when he told them and they didn't understand it at all. And so they're getting next to Jerusalem. Now they're getting excited. Boss, is this it? Uh, are we gonna take the Romans now? Notice. They thought the kingdom of God would appear when? Immediately. Guys, I fully believe this. We'll talk to Pete later about it. I think they think Jesus is going to walk in, kick the door of, of the Romans, Pontius Pilate, string him up, bring fire and brimstone down from heaven, and set up the new kingdom. Oh, by the way, they're going to be ruling with them, right? Isn't that what they said? Which one is going to sit on your right and on your left? They got mom involved. Oh. So he now has to calm them down and teach them truly what's about to happen. And he gives them this parable. And this parable, by, by the way, when we talk about parables, how it's, it's, it's hard to kind of put gospel as uh, far as... Um, This is a permanent thing that you can hang your hat on. You know, some of the parables we we should take lightly as a parable, and some of them are pretty heavy as a parable. And this is one of those parables where Jesus really tells us what's about to happen. And he says, Therefore a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And so he called ten of his servants and delivered to them ten minas or $10, and he said to them, do business till I come, or you might have a version that says, occupy till I come. It's one of my favorite phrases of Jesus. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we will not have this man rule or reign over us. And so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money, to be called to him, that they might know how much every man has gained by trading or occupying or doing business. And then they, then the first came to him saying, Master, your mina, that's one mina, has earned ten minas. And he said, Well done, good servant. And because you were faithful in very little, you'll have authority over ten cities. And the second said, Master, your mina has earned five minas. And likewise, he said unto him, You will serve over five cities. And then another came to him, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept and put put away into a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you were an austere man, and you collect what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. And so he said unto him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. By the way, you don't ever want to hear God say that. You knew that I was an austere man. And by the way, we'll talk about this. It's not that Jesus is saying that's his character. He's repeating what this guy says by saying, if that's what you believe, that I am an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping which I did not sow, why then you, did you not just put my money into the bank? that at my coming I might collect it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. But they said unto him, Master, he has ten minas, Captain Obvious. For I say to you that everyone who is given from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. But bring me those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. So that's a perky little way to end, isn't it, today? So Zacchaeus, he's saved. Salvation has come into the house of the Lord. Well, now what? What do we do when we get saved? Here it is. These are the orders from the king. It says a certain nobleman went into a far country, verse 12, to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. If you haven't figured it out, the parable of the nobleman, the nobleman is is Christ. And so he called ten of his servants, and to delivered unto them ten minas, and said of them, "Do business or occupy until I come." The ten servants typify his disciples. He gave each one of them, please note with me, a mina. Everyone got one. Everybody got that. He had. T- now, if it magically divides itself, I mean, we'll deal with that later. Everybody gets one. Okay. This isn't what happens over in Matthew chapter 25. Let me read it to you. Don't need to go there. It's the same kind of parable, but a little bit different. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered to them. And he gave to one five talents, to another two, to another one, and to each according, please note with me, to his own ability." It's different, isn't it, from this parable? It's different. And immediately he went on his journey. And then when he had received the, uh, the one who had received the five talents, went and traded them, did business with them, and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received the two gained two more. But he who had, not re- uh, who had received one went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Now, after a long time, the Lord of the servant came to settle the accounts with him. And he who had received five talents brought five and said, Lord, you've delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside that. And the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord forever. And then on down it goes. And then he says, the one that received one talent came and said, Lord, I know that you are a hard man. Same thing, an austere man, reaping what you have not sown and gathering what you have not scattered. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours or what you gave me. But the Lord answered and said, you are a wicked and lazy servant you knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money into the bankers. And at my coming I would receive it back with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has more will be given. And he will have an abundance, but he uh, but from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. And this is how he ends that parable. And he casts the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what's the difference between these two? The difference is talents and abilities in Matthew, and then this one is everybody got the same. In that one, we saw people who had five or people who had three, And it was the ability to do something. God has given you, given you a gift. Are you using that gift for the kingdom of God? Here, it is everybody has been given the same. Okay, well, what do we have in common that we all have that we need to multiply until he comes? Well, we all have the privilege of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would like to just leave with just the one, I'll tell you the other ones, but that primarily is what God has given everybody. God's given you a testimony. He saved you. Now, what are you going to do with that? Well, I'll just be a James Bond Christian and keep it to myself. No, he gives everybody the ability to share what Jesus has done in your own life. The blind man. (laughs) All I know is before I was blind... And now I see. I, don't, I, don't, I can't quote any verses to you, but that's what I know. So we all have in common the privilege of sharing the gospel and representing Christ to this world. We also have the privilege of prayer. We have the privilege of serving. So let's look at this parable And let's see what we're doing with what God has given you. Now, this is one of those messages which, if you're not doing anything, you're going to be uncomfortable. It's like a tithing message where we're going through the Scripture and we're teaching on it. Those who are doing what they're supposed to are like, "Woohoo, preach on. The person who isn't is like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have come today. That's one of these messages. Because if you said yes to Jesus, you got to read the fine print. And the fine print is, well, now you have responsibilities. You don't get to do what you used to do. You now represent the king. Let's put it in words that we can understand because we're not under a monarchy yet. Maybe that's coming. I don't know. It's 2020. Anything can pop up now. And not, it would not shock us at all. Oh, we're having a king? Okay. It's 2020. But we don't have a king that way. We have ambassadors, don't we? We have ambassadors to different countries. And they represent the president of the United States. Listen, they don't represent our country. Do you see that? They represent the president. They serve at the pleasure. I love that phrase, by the way. They serve at the pleasure of the president, whoever that is. And whatever the president tells that ambassador, that's what he communicates. He represents the president in different areas. Yes, it's under the United States of America. Don't send letters. But he, they represent. So we are ambassadors for Jesus on planet Earth. Jesus is not on planet Earth. Yes, By the parable, he has gone away into a far country. He's coming back because the parable tells us. So don't think he's not, he's coming. And while he is gone, it is the responsibility of his servants that everyone has been given the privilege to be a follower of Christ. Listen, when we're in heaven, you will know that it is a big deal. I know it doesn't seem like it here on planet Earth but it's going to be a big deal really soon because there are a lot of people that won't be there and weren't blessed to live in the United States of America and to come to Calvary Chapel and to hear that message or wherever you've heard it before or heard it on a radio station. And and as soon as you accepted Jesus, you were given the privilege. And what is the privilege? To tell other people about Jesus. Have you done that? Everybody's been given it. Are you just hiding it? Now listen, let let me put it in this way. Foreign missions. I've traveled around the world. Not everybody can do that. You're here as the body of Christ when you give to CCMB, sending me, sending different people out into missions. Okay, that's on your account. That's participating in that. But that's participating. You got that? That isn't just sitting Being a chair sitter, a pew sitter. There are so many Christians that are going to be disappointed because they've buried their coin. And they didn't do anything for the kingdom of God ever. And God goes, I gave you 60 years. I gave you this, I gave you that. I gave you the ability to be a, an, a welder, a heavy machinist, a truck driver. I gave you, I, you were a postal worker. And look all the people that you talked to. And you never shared my name. Do you see that? So I didn't mean to make it heavy, but it's heavy, isn't it? It's an eye-opener. It's a wake-up call. In the world in which we live in, I don't know how much time we have left. We could have another 100 years. Everything could blow over. (laughs) Everything could be fine. They won't hunt down the, the members in churches and put them on cattle cars and send them to facilities. That'll maybe never happen. Or maybe it will. Like in Germany. I don't know what's coming. But what I do know is that God gave me something and I'm not talking about the talent, I'm talking about the mina. He gave me something, and it is to give other people hope. Guys, it is not my job to save everybody. Let the pastor do it That's his job. Do you know that I am not an evangelist? I know this may shock you. I'm like Timothy. Paul said, Timothy, you got to do the work of evangelists every once in a while. I love that Paul had to tell Timothy that. Like, oh, okay, I forget that sometimes. Like, Okay, when I'm teaching, i got to make sure Jesus and the gospel, and, and that's the same for me. But you put me down at the boardwalk, walking up to somebody, hey, you want to know about Jesus? I have a little hard time with that. I don't have that gift. But there are some that do exercise your gift. You don't have a problem talking to someone Wonderful. Let's put tracks in your hand, get you down. We'll film it for Instagram or whatever, social media, and we'll get you in the game. And if you have the gift of mercy or deep frying turkeys, we'll put you somewhere else. Or in seniors ministry, ministering to those in the, you know, in the residential facilities or in the prison ministry or wherever it is. Use the mina that God gave you because, let's read it, you're going to be disappointed. Now, we know this is an accurate parable because it says in verse 14, but his citizens hated him. Now, in this parable, the citizens are the Jews. And yes, for the most part, the Jewish nation rejected Jesus Christ. Oh, a lot of them came to Jesus. And that was very exciting, but a lot of them didn't. And so his citizens hated them, and he sent a delegation after them saying, we will not have this man reign over us. The most powerful scene that I think humanity has ever seen are the Jewish leaders standing in front of Pontius Pilate. And they're they're basically saying that very same thing. Let let his blood be upon us and upon our children. Oh, it's going to be. But they rejected their Messiah. They said, we don't want Jesus to rule over us. So between verse 14 and 15 is where we are right now. So put us right there. That's where we are. We're in the gap of time. But, verse 15, he returns He's coming. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. He's coming. I just don't know when. That means we live like he could come at any time. That's the blessed hope. So here he says he he returns having received the kingdom, which means he has conquered death. Oh, man, that lion of the tribe of Judah is coming. That lamb was slain on the cross. But that, that nice little meek and mild lamb of Jesus, no, it's that lion that's going to roar soon. That lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he roars, he's going to say your name. He's going to say my name. We're going to be raptured out of here. And then it's on like donkey Kong. throwing a little 80s in there. Notice he's he's now... I've just lost everyone. He's received the kingdom and then he commanded these servants. That means he gathers the believers together. Okay, guys. Let's see what you've done for the last 2,000 years. Let's take a look at what you've done. Notice that he might know how much every man has gained by trading or doing business. Now, don't let this get caught up in your mind that, you know, giving the gospel and and serving God is business. That's just so that we could understand what he's trying to say. Everybody got that? We do it joyfully. We're excited to share. We're excited to do these things. And if you're not doing it in joy, you need to check your heart. Because it's exciting to go up to, to Arrowwood and cut a tree down and to pour concrete and to know that kids are gonna be in these cabins and they're gonna accept Jesus. That's exciting. And it's gonna we're excited about. Get into the game. And he says, What are you doing with the miner that I have given you? And I love this first one. He comes and he says, I've earned 10 minus, but I want you to circle or under, underline this word, your. Because the servants know it's not ours. It's his. And when you know what he has given you is not yours, it's all his. It's so free. It's free. It's not mine, it's his. Therefore, I'm not holding on to it. And it's not something that is keeping me from a real relationship with God and a real joy in my life. And he says to him, Well done, good servant. Because you are faithful in a very little, you have authority over 10 cities. Now, we're kind of running out of time, so I can't really dive into this. Well, what does this mean? Many people think, and many commentaries, guys that have been studying this for decades, think that this is a foreshadowing of what's coming in the kingdom age. That's the thousand year reign of Christ, where what we are doing now will come the thousand years, it will be what you will be doing there. Maybe it's ruling, <laughs> maybe you're just cutting the grass, and you're like, I'm just happy to be cutting the grass. But what God has given you, you must multiply. And so it could very well be that we will be ruling somehow, somewhere on planet Earth with these areas. Could very well be that. Now notice with me, uh, we'll we'll skip over to the the one who had the one. In verse 20, he said, here is your mina, speaking of the one mina which I kept and put away in a handkerchief, for I feared you because you were an austere man or a hard man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man. And the idea, again, it is I'm quoting what you were saying. This is how you view me. And if this is how you view me, then I will judge you on how you view me. No one wants that. We want to be judged by how he is, not what we think he is. And he says, you collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And so, verse 23, he says, why did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And the idea is, why didn't you give it to somebody who could use it? Why couldn't you give it to the the person who had five who was out there preaching it, serving, doing the work? And here is the point that Jesus is saying, not everybody may not be able to do what the five or the ten were able to, but at least get it into the market. Don't just sit in the pew. Don't just sit in the seat. And those who stood by... He said, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said unto him, <laughs> I love this, but master, he's already got ten minas. Thank you. For I say to you that to everyone who has been given from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But you ever read that and you go, oh, that's clear." We don't really know what that exactly means. I guess we'll know pretty soon, won't we? He says, but bring here those enemies of mine. Now he jumps back to the group that said, we will not have this man rule over us. Remember that group? He now comes back because this parable is about to happen. So Jesus goes away. The Jews said, we don't want to have a part of him. His servants are left. That's us 2,000 years later. Hopefully soon he's going to come back but he will redeal with the nation of Israel. He says, but here, bring here those, uh, those enemies of mine who did not want me to rule over them and slay them before me. That is heavy duty. Guys, we may be, and I know you hear this all the time, we may be the only Bible that someone ever reads. We may be the only ambassador for Christ that uh, someone ever comes in contact with. That could be frightening, couldn't it? You're like, I'm it? You're like, yeah, you're it. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. What they do with the gospel is on them. But our role is to give them the gospel. Ezekiel is one of my favorite books, kind of hard to go through. Maybe you've read it. And you're like, what is that wheel and wheel thing in the first chapter, Right? But at one point, God says to Ezekiel, listen, I have charged you, Ezekiel. Here it is. You have to tell them. And if you don't tell them, I will require their blood upon your head. He says, but if you do tell them and they reject it, then it's on them and not on you. Our job is not to save anybody. Our job is to tell them the way, the truth, and the life. It is up to them. Everybody is a free moral agent, amen? Amen. Everybody has the, the ability to accept Jesus or not accept Jesus. But it is our role because we have been given a minor. We've been given the privilege and the opportunity to proclaim who Jesus is to this lost world. Aren't you glad somebody told you? And if you're glad someone told you, why not share that? with somebody else. Well, read ahead next week. Lord willing, uh, we will go into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. (laughs) Not the preferred method of a king, I might add. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for this day and for our time of fellowship, the washing of the word upon our lives and our hearts. Lord, we thank you for Zacchaeus, that he did everything he could to have that connection with Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you have come to save the lost, to seek out those who you know will accept you. Thank you, Lord, for being the great hunter. Thank you for stopping that day in Jericho for Zacchaeus. And Lord, thank you for this parable so that we have our marching orders from our king as ambassadors for Christ to share Jesus, to pray with people, to serve, to give of our time and finances. Lord, that we would be in the game before the game ends. And so, Lord, bless your holy name, both now and forever. Thank you for for your saints gathered here together, that we would have now, Lord, a precious time of fellowship. And, Father, I pray for the food right now, that you would bless it, that you would nourish our body, bless those who prepared it for so many hours. Lord, let us have a sweet Time of fellowship that blesses your holy name. Thank you, Lord, for our day. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said,